are listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. And welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and I'm here today with Emily Rose as she is going to be on our series, Holy Grounds, a place where we talk about spiritual formation and how that impacts our life. Emily, I am so excited that you're on the show today. Hey, Carla. I'm excited too. This is going to be fun. Uh, Now, Emily lives in Southern California. And Emily, before you tell us all about yourself, I was really curious. Does Southern California help you be more spiritual or less spiritual? (laughs) Um, I don't know. That is a really good question. I feel like traffic probably makes me less spiritual, makes me more angry. (laughs) But the weather, the weather. weather and the beach, let me just tell you, there is something sacred about the beach and it is just a beautiful rhythm to sit and watch the lot. So there's good stuff. So there's like traffic and smog and, yeah. and all kinds of stuff that's awful. But then there's Disneyland Truth. and the weather and the beach. Gosh. All the good stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it sounds like SoCal's a pretty spiritual place. Yeah. Come visit. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Emily, tell us more about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What's your favorite stuff? All that. Okay. Uh, my name is Emily Rose. Uh, like we said, I live in Southern California. Um, I work for Community of Christ. I'm the invitation support minister for the Pacific Southwest International Mission Center, which is a mouthful. Um, but we actually cover quite a huge area. We cover all the way north to Santa Barbara. We've got two congregations in Mexico. Um, and then we go all the way out to Las Vegas and St. George, Utah, which is where I pastor um, an emerging congregation. Uh, the Southern Utah Community of Christ Congregation. And we are primarily, I don't know if I want to say Latter-day Seekers anymore, because we're really, I mean, we've been around for a while and we've had several confirmations. But um, anyway, for those listening to the podcast, um, just from the background of being LDS or a part of the restoration, uh, we have lots of Latter-day Seeker type folks that come and see us. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I've I've been down to the St. George uh, Southern Utah Community of Christ group, and it is a really awesome group. I really enjoyed my my time there. And and you don't have your own building, right? Do you still meet in another building? That's correct. So we meet in a Presbyterian church, um, Good Shepherd Presbyterian. They are amazing. They let us meet there for free, which is just remarkable. Um, and we actually meet not in their sanctuary, but we meet in their kind of fellowship building. Um, which is the building kind of on the back half of the campus. And the reason we do that is we actually sit around a table for our worship gatherings. We don't sit in like pews and have someone give a sermon or something that would look like a traditional community of Christ 
worship service. We actually sit around the table. We share about each other's lives, um, do some kind of spiritual practice that uh, involves discussion. I like to do a lot of crafting spiritual practices, which we can talk about in a minute. (laughs) But then we kind of all gather around the um, keyboard and sing all of our hymns at once at the very end. And it is lovely. Oh, I didn't realize you did that. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Well, okay. So you mentioned spiritual practices and this podcast, Holy Grounds, is all about spiritual practices. So I, um, my first question for you is what spiritual practice do you use to best connect with the divine and why? So I, I'm going to go broad with the first question. Um, I am most connected um, with the source, with God, with whatever word you want to use um, when I'm doing something creative. So lately, my favorite spiritual practice that I have kind of brought into my life and has sparked a lot of joy and a lot of uh, good things in my life is sewing. Um, I've gotten into sewing clothing, and this is a new thing for me. Um, But the reason I think of it as a spiritual practice is because when I do this, um, in in no other part of my life does my does an activity like this really make my my mind sit still. Um, Every all of the buzz of anxiety just sort of settles, um, and it's very easy to just focus on what I'm doing and be present. Uh, The other thing that I really like about it is that I practice things while I'm sewing that are things that I would like in the rest of my life. So I practice risking things and trying things. And a lot of times there's a, we'll see what happens kind of element to it. And that's a really important uh, thing to practice, especially when we want to respond to God. Uh, We talk about in the mission prayer, risking something new. And that's something that I, I practice when I'm sewing so that when I go out into the world, I'm, I'm better at risking things for God. So anyway, that's, that's my spiritual practice that I have been doing a lot of lately. I think that's really awesome. I, and I'm a little bit, I'm really intrigued by this element of risking something in a spiritual practice because it's, you know, in the, in the past I've heard about spiritual practices, how they center us, how they bring us in. And, and there's not really a huge element of risk seemingly, but maybe there is, and I'm just not catching on to that. Sure. Do you want to talk more about that risk that you're feeling? Yeah. Um, so I try things that I've never done before <laughs> and it seems really silly. Um, but I, it helps me to be courageous, I guess. I, um, like I'd never made a article of clothing before. And the first thing that I decided to try was, um, like a shirt that has a collar and like a, it, it's almost like a button down shirt, although I haven't added the buttons to it yet, but there were all of these elements that were like really tricky. And I don't often have this voice within me that says, Oh yeah, you can do that. Um, but with this, I, I did. And so I don't know, just tapping into that part of ourselves that, um, has courage and is willing to try something regardless of whether we know what the outcome will be. Um, that's just a really fun place to be. And I think it's an important thing to practice on something that's not as high risk, <laughs> you know, as risking relationship with a stranger, but it's still something that, that I think is a good to practice. So. Oh, that sounds really, really cool. So um, is there something you do to prepare? Can you walk us through the practice? Does it, do you just sit down and go for it or do you get yourself ready in some way? Well, um, gosh, I, I guess part of what I have to do to prepare just like logistically is to like 
find the pattern I want and find the fabric. And there's just like a lot of sitting with a project and and thinking about it and thinking about where I'll go with it. But um, in terms of like making it into a spiritual practice, because I mean, sewing in, in and of itself doesn't have to be a spiritual practice. Like plenty of people sew and it's just sewing. Um, but in order to really make it feel like a spiritual practice for myself, it's really about clearing aside time. Um, and that <laughs> that is a hard thing to do. <laughs> Uh, but it's really necessary. I need to really set aside the space to um, kind of sink. In. Uh, the other piece of it that I think is really important is that I'm kind of creating a space. So it's the space of time, but also just a physical space where I feel comfortable and I have everything I need. Um, and yeah, then it's just kind of about letting myself settle. So there's just something in my brain that shifts when I'm doing something creative. And so when I'm able to kind of like settle into that and kind of be aware of my physical presence in the room, um, working with kind of the textures of the fabric, I, there's something really lovely about the the tactileness of this practice. Um, so anyway, I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but uh, that's kind of what I do to prepare. And then, you know, patterns have instructions and you just kind of go step by step and take a deep breath and and risk it. <laughs> I have a sewing machine. I don't know if that's important, but um, yeah, I have a little sewing closet that I can open up and my machine's there and my little sewing table's there and have all my stuff kind of settle in. Yeah. You have your space. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a practice of clearing space, I think. That's yeah. Phrase it. Um, so how does this practice change you or change your day mm. when you do it? Well, um, as I mentioned before, just it offers me a space to to risk and to get the rest of my my being to sit still. So I think, you know, as I go about my day in a normal day when I'm not sewing or haven't created a space to do just a little bit of sewing anyway. Um, I'm usually pretty abuzz with like anxiety and to-do lists of just like all of the the many things that I'm sort of juggling. Um, so when I do make time to sew, it it helps me to settle and kind of let go of some of that that rush um, and just sort of be present to to where I am today. So if I do make time, um, I, usually the rhythm of how I engage in sewing is that I, I sew on a day off. So it's not necessarily a practice that I do every day. Um, so if I really take Sabbath and make space for sewing on my day off, which is usually Tuesday, cause I'm a minister and weekends are like our highest point of the week. Um, so usually on a Tuesday, I, I've really just sort of cleared out all of the, the stuff, all of the to-do lists, all of the stress, all of the, um, sense of, I don't know, I, inadequacy sounds like dramatic, but you know, like where you feel like you're just not going to make it. Um, all those feelings just seem to dissipate and I, I feel more grounded. That's what it feels like. It feels like, um, I kind of remember who I am a little bit and I feel more grounded to, to face all the other stuff. I love that. And I, what I love about this is that, you know, I, I hear other people saying the words that you're saying, with spiritual practice that are practices that are more mainstream, you know, like centering prayer and like uh, meditation. And, and I hear the same words coming out of your mouth. So uh, I think it's really cool that you have found um, a way to connect with the divine 
through sewing. I mean, it's something yeah. that you might <laughs> never think about. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this when we were preparing for this podcast, but I, um, I just really wanted to share with people who are listening to this, that if, if you have tried other spiritual practices and, you know, centering prayer or meditation or practices that like require you to empty your mind and it just hasn't worked. Um, that's, that's been my experience and you're not alone. <laughs> first of all, um, I, so I went to, to grad school at Claremont School of Theology and I, I took a bunch of spiritual formation classes with these really amazing professors and, and we would have like meditation, like we'd start class. It's a two hour class and we'd have like an hour long guided meditation. And I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep a lot. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was a night class. Also, they brought pillows, so I don't feel that bad. Um, but I fell asleep a lot because it was just really hard to get my mind to to settle and to not wander. And it seemed like the only thing that uh, did settle it was sleeping, <laughs> which was not the intention. And eventually I got to where I really didn't want to fall asleep in class because I like school and want to be a good student and didn't want to fall So um, I found that when I would draw or doodle uh, while we were doing the meditation, and I would actually draw in response to the guided piece of it. So a lot of times we would like um, engage in spiritual practice that uh, was kind of out of this school of thought called internal family systems. And basically it was paying attention to the different parts of yourselves as if they were uh, almost like characters in your brain. Like think of Inside Out, the movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with like all of the parts and there's like joy and anger or whatever. So we did a lot of uh, guided meditations that used that school of thought. And so it was a lot of paying attention to what parts were most present in, and kind of engaging with them. And I would draw the parts. And when we, when I had like, you know, anxious energy and that was like a part of me that was really kind of in control, I would draw that. And then I would like give that part of me a cup of tea and I would like draw a cup of tea for that like tangled mess of a part that was on my paper. And, and that changed everything. I really feel like there is something that changed in my brain when I was engaging in doing something creative that allowed me to access this space of meditation that I couldn't access before. I couldn't access it by sitting and just trying to clear my mind and meditate, but doing something with my hands and engaging the part of me that is creative kind of unlocked a door for me uh, in a way that was really, really surprising. So I don't know if you're listening and you haven't tried doing something creative as a spiritual practice, I say, go for it. Absolutely. I mean, really, the next question I was going to ask you is what spiritual practice do you find the most challenging? And uh, I mean, it sounds like... Meditation is really hard. (laughs) Meditation is really hard. Like you have to want to do it. Dude. And I, especially when they tell us to like take a deep breath and focus on our breathing, I stop breathing when that happens. When I focus on my breathing, I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it wrong. I'm not breathing the right way. And then I stop breathing. (laughs) which is counterproductive. (laughs) That's absolutely what you should not be doing. (laughs) It's really hard for me to breathe when someone tells me to focus on my breathing. (laughs) I just, I just love that you encourage that, that kind of behavior. I have actually been known during meditations to hand out uh, things of Play-Doh and like let people play with it with their hands, you know, while 
Yeah. Because we're a culture who needs to be stimulated like all the time. And it's really, really hard to turn off all of that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably just getting harder for kids actually. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that I think that there are just people who have a more tactile spirituality. So um, I, I meet with a spiritual director and um, she's wonderful. I don't know if you guys have talked about spiritual direction on the podcast yet, but um, I meet with her once a month and it's really just me kind of telling her what's going on in my life. And then she helps kind of point to, or asks the question, you know, where is God in this and helps me kind of look for that and pay attention to that. And one time she asked me what my prayer life was like. And I, I thought about it and I said, well, I planted some succulents the other day. And that was prayer for me. Um, so she just sort of really realized that like, I'm a more tactile person when it comes to spirituality. I, I, I need to touch things with my hands. Um, so I've actually brought projects that I have sewn into spiritual direction and we feel them together. We like literally put them in my hands um, and talk about how the fabric feels and and what it is that I'm yearning for in my spiritual life and how that came came to be in this garment that I've sewn. So like I've had really soft um, garments that I've been working on when I've really needed a soft space to be. And it's just kind of been amazing to like use that as a lens. Um, and it's really been very tactile. So I think that there are spiritual types of people. Um, that's why prayer beads are really useful. It's just you, doing something with your hands. Uh, I think for some people is really, it's just a spiritual type. It's a tactile way of being. I love that. I love that idea. I love that you take it in, took it into your spiritual director too, and that you both experience that together. When I had a spiritual director, I don't have one right now, but when I had one and she said, you know, I talk about my life and she said, Carla, where's God in that? Usually I just start crying. So usually I just cry my way through the hour. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I've had several sessions like that before where I'm just a tornado mess and I cry and she just holds that space for an hour. What a lovely gift. (laughs) It is such a lovely gift. And then you walk away and you feel empty, but much, much better. Yes. yes. So you've talked about uh, sewing and, and being creative and drawing. So those sound like really important personal practices for you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite group practice that you've done maybe with the Southern Utah Community of Christ group or that you've done in other groups? Yes. So I call it crafting for Jesus. <laughs> In our, in our Southern Utah group, um, I, I was actually, so I'll tell you a couple. I, I have several I get very excited about. Um, one that we've done in Southern Utah is inspired by Soul Collage, which um, is actually a trademark practice. So somebody came up with Soul Collage, like they are the ones that own that phrase and the actual specific process. But I was introduced to Soul Collage um, through Dusty Hines. And um, the way that she taught it to me and the way she kind of practices it is um, she flips through magazines with different images. Uh, National Geographic is a really good magazine for this practice because there's so many good nature imagery and so much color and all of that. So um, she'll flip through the magazines and kind of like prepare herself to be in a space to kind of pay attention to her inner life. And she'll just cut out images or colors that are compelling to her, um, that she feels really drawn to. Um, and then once she's kind of cut out all of those images, she places them on a small 
card. And it's really about um, kind of stepping away from your thinking part of your brain and engaging in kind of the feeling intuitive part of your brain. So um, she'll arrange them and kind of glue them down and just sort of spend time gazing at the collage that she's made. And then she journals about it and, and kind of writes about, you know, what these symbols or images or colors uh, have to say about her inner life and, and what things are you know, how things are going on inside of, of her. So uh, that's how it was introduced to me. And we've done similar practices like that in Southern Utah. Um, sometimes we will do soul collage in a way that's more specific. So it has to do with the theme or the scripture or a particular question that people can answer. Um, sometimes, you know, going right off the bat into soul collage and just being like, pay attention to your inner life. What images matter to you? Like that, that can be too abstract <laughs> to start off. So sometimes it's nice to have a specific question, you know, like what, what does God look like to you? Um, or I don't know, um, things that have to do with scripture or themes. Sometimes that's just helpful to help people focus. Uh, but when we do it in a group setting, what's really lovely is that you can share with each other and you have this visual thing to point to, to kind of describe an interior experience. And so that's just been a really valuable thing. And what's great about it is that kids can participate in it. Um, kids love to, to cut out, our, our kids anyway, love to cut out the imagery and make their own collage and, and they can engage in the practice with the adults. And that's, that's been really useful, especially for a smaller group that has children. Um, it's great for everybody to participate together. Um, another practice that I've done that is similar, um, because you can use collage, but you can also use, you know, just drawing, uh, with, with markers or colored pencils or crayons or whatever you have. But, uh, I learned this one from Frank Rogers. He's one of our professors that I had at, uh, Claremont School of Theology, and he had us draw our spiritual life story. So it was kind of spiritual autobiography, but we drew it as a tree. So um, what roots, what are the roots of your spiritual life story? What do those roots look like? What are the wells that the roots come from? Um, What scars does your tree have? Where has there been loss on your tree? Where is there new growth on your tree? Um, is your tree alone or is it in a forest? Like there's so much metaphor that can come from telling your spiritual life story. And when you do it with the imagery of a tree, there's just some real possibility that comes through. And so I've actually led that practice with junior high kids and it was profound. Um, I remember there was this one camper and he he was like craving attention, even if it was bad, you know, <laughs> you know the, <laughs> sometimes kids can be like that. So he would kind of like act out and, and be really loud. And, and he sat and looked at his tree for like the majority of our time, um, but, and, and didn't have anything, you know, he just sort of sat and stared at a blank piece of paper. And eventually he, he tried it and he had one of the most beautiful, um, he had like cut out these images of stars and placed them for the leaves. And it was like he had finally settled into himself in a way where he could pay attention to what was going on within him. And he wasn't doing this for show. This wasn't for other people. This was just for him to kind of explore what his spiritual life story looked like. And it was beautiful. Um, So yeah, that's one of my other favorite group practices. It was really good. Ah, those sound incredible. Yeah. 
I actually had did uh, have done a soul collage, which my spiritual director called a prayer card oh, nice. uh, with her like five years ago. And I loved it. And I've been showing, yeah. it, I've been showing it to everyone because I think that it's so relaxing, but I love the idea of the do. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. I'm excited about these. Yeah. I'm excited absolutely. to try them. So how did you first learn about or get turned on to still practice? Have they always been a part of your life? Gosh. Um, I don't think specifically that I have, I've like intentionally done spiritual practice my whole life. It probably began in college um, and kind of further developed when I like came into seminary. And um, so it's really been in recent times. I, I think that I've always done creative things though. That has been a part of my life. You know, my mom was an, is an art teacher. She still is. And she was when I was growing up. And so um, the act of making things has always been a part of my life. So it's really just been in recent years that I've kind of discovered that like, this is a, a well, it's just a source um, that can be used in a spiritual way as a way to access um, God and as a way to kind of, you know, connect my, my, myself to a grounded space. So it's really been recent, honestly, uh, for me to engage in, in spiritual practice this way. Awesome. Uh, so I, I mean, I also really like the fact that you've really just, this has been a really organic process for you, you know, like it, you started off just loving art and then it moved to a place where you could go even deeper with it. So I think it's cool. Yeah, um, are, absolutely. There, are there any uh, resources or like a book or a podcast or um, something that you want to suggest to our listeners that has been really meaningful to you? Oh gosh. Um, I can suggest a resource that I've only read part of <laughs> because I haven't made it all the way through. But um, if you would like a really good book for art and spiritual practice, The Artist's Rule is a really good one. Um, I get the author. Anyway, that's a good book. And she talks about creativity as uh, it's Christine Walter's Pinter. And uh, the title is The Artist's Rule nurturing your creative soul. Um, so anyway, she kind of takes the rule of St. Benedict and applies it to art and spirituality. So that's a good book resource. Uh, but really, I honestly think that just trying something out, uh, it, you don't need a book necessarily to try creativity as spiritual practice. Uh, it's, it's very likely that there is something that people already do and engage in as a hobby or uh, just part of their everyday life that they can then uh, treat as a spiritual practice uh, by bringing intention and purpose and attention to it. And I think it can be really surprising for people. So if you already do something creative, like knitting or drawing or sewing, (laughs) those are just things that I do, but other things uh, that are creative, if you bring attention to them and are intentional about what is it in this activity that is connecting me to God and what are the, the blessings that are coming from it, I think it can really change activities that people already do. I think so too. I think um, the number one word that I hear on this podcast is the word intention and bringing intention into it just changes absolutely everything. Yeah. Uh, so Emily, is there something that you wanted me to ask that I didn't ask, or do you have any final thoughts for us about your spiritual practice or anything like that? Um, I don't really have any other questions that I was hoping for you to ask. I think I'll just say that uh, I really hope that listeners try something new. Uh, 
um, and and don't get discouraged if certain kinds of spiritual practice uh, if they don't work for you. That's okay. Uh, you may have a different kind of spiritual type, and that means trying on a lot of different practices. And if you're a tactile person, and that's something that centers you, um, or if you're a creative person and creativity is something that centers you, then try try that as a spiritual practice. See what happens. Uh, well, thank you so much, Emily, for like just being so encouraging, you know, and like yeah. you can do this because <laughs> it's true. We could totally do this. So I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And I hope to talk to you soon. Well, thank you, Carla. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use, and while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 